from 2SER 107.3 and the University of Technology, Sydney, this is Think Health. I'm Evie Maguire. This episode is not an easy topic to listen to. It's about cancer and how we communicate such a complex and difficult topic to children and young adults. How do you talk to children about cancer? How do you even go about starting that conversation? Is concealing information better for a child's well-being? And what can you do if a child is struggling with a cancer diagnosis? In this episode, you'll be hearing from two people who specialise in communicating cancer to children. First, I ask the panel to introduce themselves with their working titles and what role they play in helping children understand cancer. So my name is Stanley Browning. I'm the Primary School Education Coordinator at Camp Quality. Uh, at Camp Quality, we support kids and their families who have been impacted by cancer. Uh, usually work with kids under the age of 13. And the biggest part of my job is I go to schools and to the hospitals around New South Wales. And I perform puppet shows, educational puppet shows about cancer. My name is Chris Jacobs. Um, I'm a senior lecturer in genetic counselling at UTS and I'm a registered genetic counsellor so I've had a lot of years of clinical experience um, and now I'm moved into an academic sphere. And what we do really is to be able to translate what's happening in the science labs in genetic and genomic testing but also looking at family histories and helping to work out what's going on in that family whether there could be a hereditary component to the, the condition in the family and helping to explain that to patients but also to help facilitate patients and clients understanding of what that means for themselves and their families and helping them with making decisions about what they might want to do about that. Chris I've got to ask you the broad question first how does one even begin to start that conversation with a child about cancer? I suppose the f- the first thing that's important is that they begin that they're ready themselves to tell the child because they need to be emotionally ready they need to come to terms with whatever that diagnosis is and it's the same whether it's a genetic susceptibility or whether it's cancer to coming to terms with that themselves and sort of making a plan about how to begin to tell that to the child and thinking about who's going to be there, what the timing is, what the location is, you know, who's there to support her or the parent. Obviously, a lot of factors come into play here in terms of a parent preparing to tell their child about cancer. Can you give me some examples of how one might prepare for this conversation? So if a parent has just been given that news, that's not going to be the time for them to have that conversation. Emotionally, they have to be ready. And also, they, they need to be thinking about know the timing of telling a child just before they go to bed for example it depends on the age of the child I mean there's all of those things but telling them just before they go to bed or just before they have major exams wouldn't be a great time so thinking about the timing of that thinking about having everybody there so I, I guess it's a it's the most important thing is knowing your child and knowing where when the right time for them is and this is an ongoing conversation it's not you know, don't, nothing all comes out at once. It might do, but, you know, it's a, the beginning of a conversation, I would say. Stanley, your work tackles this head on. Can you explain what you do and how your job starts that conversation with children about cancer? In my experience, I 
tell quite large groups of children in one go uh, because the nature of my job is uh, I'm performing to an entire school faculty quite often, which can be up to about 700 students. Um, and the way our show is structured is we educate children about cancer through comedy, in a way, and through laughter and, and, and through jokes. So we have two shows. Well, one show we use for kids between the age of five and uh, eight or nine. Um, it's quite a short show. Uh, it's very simple. It's two puppets, um, and it's uh, one of the puppets is their first day back at school um, after having cancer treatment. And she's telling her best friend what's been happening, and she's really shy about taking her hat off um, because she doesn't have any hair, and she's scared that her friends are going to laugh at her and her friend talks them through that and it's very heavy on the audience interaction and um, everybody sort of comes along on that journey with them and then our other show which is for kids aged 9 to 13 is a bit longer there's a bit more of a storyline and similar sort of story there's Kylie our protagonist her first day back at school and she has to give a speech about her secret superpower and her friends help her work out what her superpower is which in the end is being brave and um, part of that is just yeah, about being a really supportive friend and and how she's getting through her diagnosis through bravery and through uh, fun and laughter and how she can still have fun regardless of what's happening. Sounds like you've got two shows that are aimed at different age groups. Is there information you can seal from the younger audience as opposed to the older ones? And if so, why? I wouldn't say it's uh, concealing any information. It's just how that information is passed on to them. And uh, first of all, it's simple things like... Uh, a younger child is probably going to have a shorter attention span. Um, when you're working with a kid in kindergarten, uh, it can be very difficult to get them to sit and listen to a show for an hour. Um, but it's saying things like, we'll talk, we'll say that Kylie, our main character, that she has cancer, but we won't necessarily say that she has leukemia and that that's a cancer of the blood, if that makes sense. So we're not concealing information. It's just the amount of information that we're giving them is just less so. You know, we'll teach them how to say the word chemotherapy, and that's the treatment she's having, rather than going through what chemotherapy actually does. Chris, to your field of work, I mean, how do you go about this conversation with different age groups? Hmm. I agree exactly with everything that Stanley said in terms of age-specific or age-appropriate language and how you approach that. So it's not so much that, even in my situation, it's not so much that parents are concealing information from the child, but they're communicating it or encouraged to communicate it in a way that the child will understand and at a pace the child will understand. So you know, telling a preschool child what's going to happen would, would not be appropriate and that the child wouldn't understand, they wouldn't have the detention span to do that. Whereas if you're telling a 14 or 15 year old, they will have a lot more questions. So it's about gauging the age and the understanding and the level of interest and the attention of the child in terms of how that's communicated. And going back to what I said before, the parent knows the child, but they may also need some help with working out how to do that and perhaps practicing it or trying some strategies. Or We know from developmental ages of children and what they understand, we know that there are certain things that children will want to know and might ask about and will be able to gauge and understand. So a preschooler is mainly thinking about how this relates to themselves, for example. Mummy's upset or daddy's upset. Whereas an older child will be thinking, they might be thinking about themselves, but they're also concerned about the parent. On the point about parents, obviously they want to protect their child, but where is the fine line between protecting them from information and having that information affect them? I mean, that's a real challenge, and I guess that's the, one of the things that's so hard when you're in that situation, is that although a parent wants to protect the child, it 
helps the child to understand. So if a child hears whispers or the, everything happens behind closed doors, again, going back to the age, but, but even then anybody who's in that situation, if you hear things going on, you know something's going on, you know your parents are upset or you know somebody's upset in the family, then they'll think the worst. So it's, we would be encouraging people to include, to be honest and open and respond to the questions the child's asking and go at the child's pace rather than hiding it all away. And so I guess that, that although there will be elements of possibly guilt, feeling guilty for the child or feeling guilty about passing something on or feeling guilty about having cancer that's going to cause difficulty for the child, then hiding that, I mean, it's a balance for the parents and it's helping them to work that through and realising that actually a much more open and honest communication is probably going to be helpful for them as well as for the child. Stanley, bringing you back in here, do you agree and have you ever worried about affecting a child from one of your shows? That is a concern, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think the absolute key is education. And yeah, it is a case-by-case basis. Um, I should mention, though, that I will never be in a position in my role that I would be telling a child that has cancer that they have cancer and what it is. Like always, uh, they will have had that conversation with a family uh, or with a doctor or, or, or with someone like Chris. Um, and then I would be coming in and I would be helping them integrate back into school, either after their treatment or if they're still at school during their treatment or just before they're going or something like that. So mine will be more educating the community that surrounds this child or this family um, and educating them as to what cancer is. What are some of the misconceptions that children have had about cancer that you've noticed from your shows? One of the biggest misconceptions that we face is that cancer is contagious. Um, And so one of the really big things we talk about in the show is that you can't catch cancer from someone else, that it's not a cold, it's not a flu, um, it's just something that happens in the body sometimes. And depending on the age group, we talk about a little bit what that thing is that is happening. And so we're trying to take the fear away from it by teaching them the facts. And have you noticed any trends in the way children respond to your shows? The biggest ones are when Kylie, our main character, she's... She's uh, lost all her hair because of chemotherapy. And when she takes her hat off, we do find sometimes the kids laugh. And we really try to push the, you know, we shouldn't laugh at someone just because they look a little bit different and that it's really important to be a supportive friend because they're going through quite a difficult time. And, And we talk through that in a really safe environment. And it is important to remember that even though this puppet is representing uh, a human child, it is still a puppet. Do you find that 12 to 13-year-olds are sometimes more reluctant to participate in your shows and communicate with you about cancer? Yeah, it definitely does happen at pretty much every school we go to, uh, especially the more vocal kids. I think they find at a younger age, and you know, I'm not a child therapist. I, I know children just because I work with them often. I haven't done significant amounts of research into this, but uh, I know when I was a kid and I'd see a show and I'd look up to them and I'd go up to them and I'd be like, oh, I know what you're talking about because I've experienced this as well, you know? And, and, you know, if it was a show about bullying, I'd go up and be like, oh, yeah, I've been bullied once, but, you know, I've got through it through this. And so because this is a show about cancer, they think, oh, uh, I know what that is and I want to prove to them that I'm smart and I'm cool and I know what that is. And I don't think they realize exactly what they're saying is a very powerful and impactful thing. And usually it's, If it's a family member or a close friend that was really close to them, like if it was a mother, 
uh, or a father or a sibling, very rarely will they come up and say, um, oh, hey, yeah, my mum had cancer, and then they'll run away. But if it is an uncle or, or uh, a grandfather or someone who maybe they're not super close with, they're more likely to say something because it's less of an emotional impact for them. It wasn't something that was a huge part of their life. It was just something that maybe they were told about. And so I think it's a bit of a showing off in a way. And quite often once they find out how powerful that statement is, uh, they're probably less likely to do it. And the way we respond to that is, you know, thank you for sharing and, you know, what was your relationship with them? And we can sort of tease the conversation out a bit if they want. Um, and then if it is something that they are really upset about, we can pass that information on to a teacher or we can provide them with any support that they need as well. Chris, have you found this to be right in your field of work as well? It's certainly, um, yeah, in terms of responses I've heard to the parents, again, um, that sometimes children will have a fairly apathetic response. They might not, you know, their parents expecting tears and and all sorts of things and actually the child just says you know okay what's for dinner and again it comes back to the age and what I think we're talking about kind of children it depends what we're calling children and I can't remember Stanley what age range you said you do your plays for up to 13 yeah so up, up from third well I guess from 11 or even up until the age of eight understanding the detail of something especially in terms of genetics or health is quite complex but after that in a sort of sec- secondary school situation sort of 11 onwards you know, the, the understanding is going to be very different and also going back to responses it's about having an for people in, in terms of whether it's the child or whether it's the parent telling the child about their own cancers is being open and ready and not having expectations and going with the flow because mm. their, their responses are going to be up to each child and we, it's unpredictable really and responses within a family may also be different if you tell you know if, if talking again about parents cancer different children of different ages will have different reactions and after 13 I guess you get another whole other set of responses. Well I actually wanted to ask you about a teenager dealing with this Mm. I mean what's going on in their mind at the time already Mm. and then how do you adjust the situation to what they're going through? Mm. Well obviously I mean if you're a teenager and you're going through puberty and you're going through all those changes yourself and, and if you start talking about again breast cancer for example or testicular cancer that's going to be terrifying you know embarrassing and everything else to go with it as well it depends on how the child is and and sometimes as I say even in that situation people might feel angry the child might feel, be angry they might be tearful they might reject the parent there's all sorts of things that can happen and it's very hard for parents in that situation you know they've got their own emotions that they're dealing with obviously but it, it's it is again about preparing people for that because you can't predict how people are going to be and um, as as they go through that and older children may well be extremely supportive and even teenagers may be I mean it just depends on everyone has their own grief response or, or immediate response to, to difficult news like that. Stanley, where do you point those children who do come to you after the show and emphasise with you about cancer and what they're struggling with? At the end of the show, we really encourage the teachers to continue the conversations in the classrooms, and we give them a number of resources um, through Cap Quality as well as um, outside of our organisation for them to talk to and to have these conversations. Um, Yeah, we try and give them as much support as we can, as well as an email address which is a direct line to ask any questions. Do you get a lot of children responding to that email address? Flooded. 
dozens, dozens of emails a day. What sort that. of emails do you get? Some of them are, are very casual, just saying, you know, thank you for the show and, you know, I really enjoyed this and I learned this and I found this really helpful to me. And then every now and then we get a question, some really intense, powerful questions or some confessions in the sense that they'll say, oh, look, my, uh, my dad's been going through this and I really struggled. Um, who can I talk to? Um, and then we can provide them with a number of helplines and we can chat to them and we can encourage them to talk to us or we ask them what sort of support they have and we go from there. There are plenty of support networks available for children who are struggling to understand cancer or the diagnosis of a loved one. A lot of these support systems involve thinking outside the box and really understanding the nature of your child and then acting from there. If your child is starting to show behavioural symptoms such as a lack of communication, withdrawing from school situations or struggling at school, then there are networks in place at schools and within your local community that you can go to. There are teachers and school counsellors who can offer continuous support to your child during the day. Getting in touch with your local health professional is also a great place to start because they can then put you in touch with a child psychologist who specialises in cancer with children. Your local doctor can also refer you to a family counsellor who can provide your entire family with coping mechanisms for getting through a cancer diagnosis. If the cancer is genetic, there are also genetic counsellors available who you can speak to. Thanks for tuning in to Think Health. This show is supported by the University of Technology, Sydney and 2CR 107.3. This program was produced on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. If this show triggered anything alarming, then I recommend calling Lifeline on 13 11 14 or the Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. If you want more information about cancer and how to deal with explaining the diagnosis to your child, then you can also head to the Camp Quality or Cancer Council websites. I'll put the links up on our website, tuisyar.com slash thinkhealth. Thanks again for listening.